Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. We're going to think in this podcast a bit about Duffy's theory of language. Um, it's quite a complex topic and there's a lot of sort of background reading you can do to enable your understanding to deepen of several of the poems that deal with this concept. It's worth saying that Duffy's background is very much in philosophy. You know, she enjoys looking at um, theory, particularly around language and human communication. And that really provides a setting for a lot of her poems. The most significant poem, um, and perhaps the most complex poem in the meantime collection, is called The Grammar of Light. Now, in the the title, um, you've got a linguistic term, grammar, um, what we use to describe um, maybe the rules and constructions of our language, um, but it's of light. And as the poem progresses, what you see in the poem is um, an attempt to construct a wordless language. Um, It's as if um, Duffy is trying to play with an alternative codifying framework for our existence. She says, even barely enough light to find a mouth and bless both with a meaningless O. Teachers spells out. Um, in other words, she's just kind of describing at night time uh, two mouths kissing one another um, and the way that the light gives them just enough um, sight to be able to do that. Um, The way a curtain opened at night lets in neon or moon or a car's hasty glance and paints for a moment someone you love, pierces. So just like language paints a picture and describes one thing to someone else, light similarly has the same function. It illuminates things so that we can see them. And so many mornings to learn, some when the day is wrung from damp grey skies and rooms come on for breakfast in the town you are leaving early. The way is a waste ground, weeps glass tears at the end of the street. And the unexpected image of the glass tears um, is is a beautiful but painful sort of image of um, the the rubbish on the ground. Um, and it's a different way of, of seeing it. And the use of the metaphor, I think, reflects this use of language, the way that we don't only use language literally, but we use it metaphorically as well. Some fluent showing you how the trees in the square think in birds, telepathize. Now, this is obviously playing with this idea of telepathy, the idea that you can communicate without words, like from one person's thoughts to another. Um, And the use of the word fluent there is obviously a speech term um, that Duffy uses here. She's talking about the relationship between thoughts and language. The way the waiter balances light in his hands, the coins in his pocket silver, and a young bell shines in its white tower ready to tell. So the bell is described as shining, which is obviously um, to do with its, its image, not its sound. So usually you would hear about the bell ringing, um, and the fact that it's shining is another way of describing um, its sound ready to tell. Um, this is the kind of decoding process, what we see and we then articulate. Um, Even a saucer of rain in a garden at evening speaks to the eye, like the little fires from allotments, undressing in veils of mauve smoke as you walk home under the muted lamps, perplexed, the way the shy stars go stuttering on. 
And so the metaphor stuttering, what we use for people who are not confident in speech, maybe stammering, is used to reflect the intermittent light of the stars. Sometimes you see them, sometimes you don't. And at midnight, a candle next to the wine slurs its soft wax, flatters, shadows circle the table, the way all faces blur to dreams of themselves held in the eyes. So it's interesting, the imagery here, the candle slurring the wax. It's like the candle is drunk, referencing the wine. Um, And the, the rhyme of the slur with blur talks about the visual effect um, of how when you can't see properly, the faces all blur together. And it's similarly with language, isn't it? Like if you're under the influence of alcohol, your language isn't as clear. You can't always communicate properly. It's a kind of surreal final stanza. And it brings us to this very um, abrupt ending. The flare of another match, the way everything dies. Um, and the sense of light being linked with time. You know, you've heard of the speed of light um the idea that light measures our days and our nights. Um, and so the poem sort of moves through uh, morning and the day and the night again in a cycle. And it really talks about the inevitability of death. And that's in a lot of Duffy's poems, the sense of mortality. Um, and there's a sense in the poem that it's as much about uh, time and about our language and how the two are interconnected. Um, technical term here is the uh, chiaroscuro, the treatment of light and shade in drawing and painting, contrasted light and shadow. And in a sense, the poem contrasts light and shadow. It contrasts um, the way we, we use words and it contrasts our emotions and our feelings. In many ways, it's looking at um, the philosopher Wittgenstein, who said, you know, how is it possible to use language? How can we um, even make language? How can we speak and be understood? And this question of we're inevitably moving towards the end and how frustrating it is to not always be able to articulate what you want to say. And even if you do articulate what you want to say, you may not always be understood. Is a deconstructive awareness in this poem of a gap between the signifier and the signified. So if you look up um, Sassu's um, sort of ideas about words, um, he represents kind of structuralism, the idea that um, in each linguistic um, utterance you have a signifier and a sign, and like the word is the sign, and the signifier is the one who gives meaning to that sign. Um, this is versus um, Derrida, who's, who was a post-structuralist philosopher, really. Um, and he had this theory that there's no univocal meaning. Um, you have these infinite shifts from one signifier to another. Um, and it kind of bypasses all these rigid conceptual oppositions of male, female, past, present, and challenges the written word being more than just a mere representation of the spoken word. Um, it's actually much more than that. So the signifying power of language is somehow required to live up to the task of articulating that which is beyond itself. Um, in other words, there's there's a sense that language is always inadequate. Um, and Duffy talks a bit about this in the poem Away in Sea. Um, the poem is a kind of invitation. Um, away in Sea. Duffy's telling us to go away and see things for ourselves, not just merely rely on the written word, on, on poems or any type of written word, but to experience things ourselves. 
Away in sea and ocean suck at a boiled sun and say to someone things I'd even blush to dream. Um, write to me soon. There's an irony in this that language has this powerful effect. It can make someone blush, um, but it's always inadequate to actually experiencing the things yourself. However, the irony is at the last line of the first stanza, she said, write to me soon. In other words, we have to have words in order to communicate those experiences. In the second stanza, it talks about new fruits singing on the flip side of night in a market of language. Light, a tune from the chapel nearby, stopping you dead. The peach in your palm, respiring. It's a deliberate odd choice of words with the peach respiring, the fruits singing. You know, it draws attention to language itself and how we can play with the way that we use words. Stopping you dead, obviously, is a metaphor. You know, we use language metaphorically, not just literally. Taste it for me. Away and see the things that words give a name to. You know, language is not an end in itself, but the words are giving a name to something that you should go away and experience. The flight of syllables, wingspan stretching a noun. Test words wherever they live, listen and touch, smell, believe. You know, is this an imperative tone or is it an invitation? Um, we, we don't really know. We could read it either way. The poem seems to be telling us to trust our senses, to live experientially, and it kind of celebrates what language is able to do, but simultaneously draws attention to the inadequacy of a poetic construct. You know, um, you can't just touch, smell and believe through a poem. You have to go and do it yourself. Um, with the use of the words skedaddle in stanza four, it's as if she's reminding us how informal language can be, how much we can manipulate language to mean what we want to mean. Somebody chaps at the door at a year's end. Again, another odd use of a word we don't normally use in that context. Away and see who it is. Let in the new, the vivid, horror and pity, passion, the stranger holding the future, ask him his name. And of course, naming is a way we use language to tie down a concept or a person and existence. Nothing's the same as anything else. Away and see for yourself. Walk, fly, take a boat till land reappears, altered forever, ringing its bells, alive. Go on, gone, gone. Away and see. There's a play on words in that go on gone, gone, um, like etymology, a word developing, um, again, drawing attention to the flexibility and temporality of language. Over time, language will change. Words that initially meant one thing will begin to transmute into another meaning. So I think the poem is largely celebratory and positive, um, but there's this just constant awareness of language as being slightly inadequate, really. And in um, the poem Moments of Grace, um, there is a kind of sense in that poem, um, Woods argues that um, Duffy is capturing and renovating experience from meantime, the inexorable process that transmutes us from verbs into adjectives and nouns. So basically, when we're alive, we are verbs. We do things. Um, when we're dead, we just become adjectives or nouns as in we are dead or we are just our name and we're no longer living and breathing. And just the way that time um, does that to us, it, it changes us. Um, the poem is also about language as well. Memories cage bird won't fly. These days we are adjectives, nouns. In moments of grace we were verbs, the secret of poems talented. A thin skin lies on the language. We stare deep into the eyes of strangers looking for the doing words. 
And it's about how, you know, we use language to try and articulate memory, time, experience. Um, and in a sense, the language defines who we are. And yet we are so much more than just our words. And um, there's so much about our experiences and even our communication with others, nonverbal communication, staring into someone's eyes, um, the connection that we might have with somebody. And the poem is very much about that kind of emotional connection. You know, you smell someone peeling an orange, um, you have a kiss on the back of the neck. Those are kind of nonverbal connections that you, you find with someone. Um, but we're looking for words to articulate that connection in order to legitimise it and to make it last and to make it important. Finally, in litany, um, really the power of language is really strong in this poem. Um, as a child, Duffy um, really shocks a group of very middle class women who only spell out taboo words um, by repeating a swear word that she was told in the playground. Um, and the use of the title litany being like a, a prayer, I think can re really um, reflect the fact that it's like a mindless subscription to the values and way of life of the middle class. Um, you know, they, they have this kind of unspoken agreement that they're not going to talk about things that are not very pleasant, things that are not very nice. Um, and perhaps if they don't talk about them, then it's as if they don't exist. And then um, the, the child persona really delights to um, throw this l linguistic bomb into the living room. Um, and it says a thrilled, malicious pause salted my tongue like an imminent storm. The irony is, you know, that the, the, the punishment of washing her mouth out with soap doesn't give her a distaste for using language to this effect. Um, in fact, there's a sense in which she finds her identity in language and in being able to manipulate language to do what she wants to do with it and create effect. In um, the penultimate stanza, there's that image of the, the wasps in a jam jar. It's interesting how wasps can sting and the jar contains them. Um, and you know, it says the mass grave of wasps in the jam jar. You know, they don't survive. They're, they're dead in the jam jar. It's as if the words have which have the ability to sting have been contained and killed off in the jam jar by these women um, and in the next line it talks about the butterfly um, stammering itself in my curious hands as if she is on the cusp of self-discovery through language and she's going to discover the sting of the wasp um, and use it for her own ends um, so it's a sense in which the women you know have they've lost any sense of sting in their lives they've they've lost the power of language because for them language is, becomes this mundane recitation of the items in the catalogue, candle, wick, bedspread, three-piece suite, display cabinet, rather than talking about the things that are really important. Um, and as much as they sort of try and have this fake, um, perfect life, um, and actually the language describes that, the Pyrex, the American tan leg, these are all terms, consumer sort of terms, they're trying to make their lives look better. Um, they've they've been duped by the language of these products. Um, is her leg, does her leg really look like an American tan? Probably not. Um, and so Duffy's sort of seeing through the way that language has manipulated these women 
and um, she's determined to become the manipulator herself um, rather than um, kind of like just letting language um, grow out of her own control. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests. So if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.